When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This is the Sports Illustrated Boxing Podcast. It's boxing. A look inside boxing with Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix. Interviews, analysis, and everything going on in boxing. And now a man who I wish was called the Boston Bleeder. All doctors to the ER. It's sort of like getting punched in the face. Chris Chris Mannix. All right, welcome back to a special bonus episode of the SI Boxing Podcast. Wanted to release one a little bit earlier this week because I had a chance to catch up with Gareth Davies, the longtime British boxing journalist, uh, has written for The Telegraph, does a lot of stuff with talk sport over in the UK. And Gareth and I talked about everything going on in the world of British boxing, like here in the U.S., Uh, The UK is on lockdown at the moment, no sports, no boxing, but there are certainly signs that some of the major promoters like Eddie Hearn or Frank Warren uh, may get stuff going sooner rather than later. So I want to get Gareth's take on uh, just how quickly British boxing can recover and just what we might see in the near future. I also get his thoughts on Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury. That's a major fight that could be brewing in the next six to 12 months. And Billy Joe Saunders, uh, who was penciled in to face uh, Canelo Alvarez uh, in May, that fight obviously not going to happen now. What's the future for Billy Joe Saunders? Really good conversation with Gareth Davies uh, over the last next uh, 45 minutes or so. A uh, quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it. Head over to Apple Podcasts, post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure that we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, on to my conversation with Gareth Davies. All right, joining me now on the podcast from across the pond in the UK, Gareth A. Davies, the journalist, broadcaster, you know him from The Telegraph and from Talk Sport, and he is now sequestered alone. Uh, Where are you these days, Gareth? I'm halfway between uh, London and Cambridge uh, on my own in a very small village, and I think I'm up to... Day 35, Christopher. Mm. So do something for me. Paint me the, the picture of the scene right now in the UK. Not, not just necessarily with boxing, but um, just life it, itself. Like how, is, how significantly has life changed and what does it look like right now in the UK? 
Well, we're in the we're just after a month of um, there's great criticism uh, of tardiness of reacting rather like in America for senior figures. Um, people are getting to the point of I think they've accepted it. People have drawn on the fact there are positives about this where you're getting more time with your family, a chance to reflect life to slow down a little bit. You and I both know we're in a very busy world and it's got acceleratedly fast in the last 10 years. And only this slowing down has probably enabled you to realize that. And those that's the thing that people are dealing with. Then, of course, there are these thousands and thousands and thousands of deaths. You know, we were up to a thousand a day at one point. So a lot of people dealing with that. You know, Anthony Yard, his, uh, his uh, father died, his father's mother died. There have been several other cases uh, in boxing. Um, so I think the, the, the slowdown is tempered with the um, feeling and sadness for people that are going through this. And everybody, I think, is feeling, I don't want to get this indiscriminate lottery ticket. Um, people are very weird about how they deal with each other when they're out. I've only been out a couple of times. I had a heart procedure 35 days ago. So I've got to try and isolate as much as possible. But overall, we've got three more weeks of this lockdown. And I think people are feeling that we probably won't get back to normal, probably until June. And then what happens with sport? And that's the big question for us, of course. Yeah, it is the big question. And in the U.S., the sentiment is that combat sports are the most likely to come back first for logistical reasons, if nothing else. And, you know, it stands to reason that it's probably the same in the U.K. Now, the, the boxing scene out there, I mean, Eddie Hearn, Matchroom is located out there. Frank Warren, his promotional company located out there. What What is the sense you're getting from local promoters about what they may try to do and when they may try to do it? Well, you look at the two major ones, Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren. I've interviewed both of them and Bob Arum, in fact, in the in the previous few weeks. Um, they're monitoring the situation very closely. The Boxing Board of Control are going month by month. Obviously, everything's cancelled until the end of May. They aren't allowed to have an event unless it was unlicensed because that's They've unsanctioned any events, the Robert Smith of the Boxing Board of Control, till the end of May. Um, he will have a look at it in the next couple of weeks to see if that extends into June. Of um, Kubrat Pulev, or Anthony Joshua and Kubrat Pulev, has already been moved to a day, the 25th, I believe, uh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Still don't see that happening. Um, last uh, week, we were expecting, Saturday before last, we were expecting uh, Joe Joyce, and um, and uh, and and uh, Daniel Dubois. That never happened. Warren is saying he's going to follow all the guidelines. Eddie Hearn's a bit more aggressively proactive, trying to create an EA uh, boxing game that hasn't come off yet. Um, you know, he's 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 hungry with his social media. Can't stay off it. He's having these Instagram lives, doing impersonations. I think he's even been impersonating you and I. Chris, um, at times. Um, but I think the general feeling is that, that there, are two, there are two sides to this. They will only be able to come back when um, permission allows, but will they do behind closed doors at some point if it goes on too long? 
because they won't be able to wait till October, November, we're assuming. So therefore, it will be behind locked doors, closed doors, because will people be confident about going into a 10,000-seat arena, an 80,000-seat arena? I can't see anybody, and I don't think they can, see anybody going to a Joshua fight with all those people at a big stadium for months and months to come. So probably similar things to America. Yeah, and look, in the U.S., we look at boxing oftentimes as, you know, kind of a niche type of sport. It's still on the outside looking in of the four majors. Not really the case in the UK. I mean, boxing is such a major part of the the fabric of sports society. I mean, how how realistic do you think it is? Because even with smaller shows, Gareth, as you know, they still generally draw good crowds. They do pretty decent gates. I mean, how realistic is it that we start to see those behind-closed-door shows? And, and for the purposes of them... Are there venues in the UK that make sense? In the US, we talk about, you know, Full Sail University in Florida or the UFC Apex in Las Vegas or some of the uh, Indian reservations that they have in the US that aren't necessarily uh, tied to state and federal laws. Are there places like that in the UK that you that are being explored? Well, I don't know about them yet. We, we, we don't know. I mean, I imagine places like... Um, BT Sport, for example, has a massive studio. I used to broadcast a UFC show from there. It's big enough to put on a boxing event with just officials and a crew. Definitely big enough. They've got enough studio. So does Sky Sports have enough space to be able to do that. Um, But rather like the UFC Apex, um, I imagine that if BT Sport goes ahead with its events and um, behind closed doors, and Sky does through Eddie Hearn, which obviously is, would be an association with DAZN in some way, um, that would be at the Sky studio somewhere. But, you know, Eddie Hearn might be scaping out or scoping out a big barn, a big farm somewhere in Essex right now, where he's going to, you know, be locked down in a bunker running stuff every week. You never know with Eddie. You never. I mean, I spoke to his father, Barry, last week. Bless his heart. Uh, had a heart attack uh, nine days ago, and he's fine. He had a stent. Spoke to Barry on my radio show last week, and thankfully he's well. But Barry started, obviously he's the chairman of PDC Darts and do at-home darts. And I reckon that as they they roll that out, that will be a precursor for how they look at how they're going to do behind-closed-doors boxing events. But you'll have done the math. If you've got a behind-closed-door event and you say you've got a card with, say, 10 fighters on it, yeah? There's still going to be 150 people in there. So have they got to be COVID negative? Have they all got to be tested? What's the testing procedure? You know, what a hospital bed's like if someone gets injured? I think there's all those factors to consider, which is why when the UFC wanted to do it at Tachi Palace, as you mentioned, the American Indian, uh, Native American Indian resorts, um, it seemed foolhardy and tone deaf to what was going on in the world. I mean, I... When I saw you last in New York, when we were doing something with DAZN, I went off to the Mohegan Resort with Bellator. That event could have gone ahead, but it was called off within four hours of the event after Trump's address. So I think my, my, my instinct, the nuance of this for me as a human being is there's bigger things going on right now in the world than having a fight event. And, and, and I know that sounds salty in a way towards fight sports but 
on a personal level, I'd rather us wait till there's a time to come back where maybe we don't have crowds in September, October, November, and it is small hall in terms of the numbers of people there. But I would rather us stack up the fights, get them planned, tell fighters to go into camp and maybe start from September. I don't know what your feeling is about that. Yeah, I, I try personally, I try not to even think about a time frame at this point. Like the two things, the two things that have to take place before boxing can be considered is that, you know, testing has to be as available as getting it at a CVS or ordering it off Amazon, like that kind of availability before you can even consider it. And you have to be 100% sure that the fight card you're putting on doesn't risk overwhelming the healthcare system of the city that you're in. Like you cannot have an injured boxer, you know, taking the bed of a potential COVID patient or, or, or taking the resources away, you know, from that hospital until those things happen. I'm not really thinking about it. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the fade this podcast. We got a great episode coming up picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally. But Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get to Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, going to. Not the Big East tournament? They're, well, I mean, they could. Maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like, that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of the never, Yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys and they lose out to like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. I am I am curious, Gareth, because I've had a lot of conversations with fighters over the last couple of months 
the vast majority of, of them have said that, you know, when it comes to behind closed door shows, they don't want to do it or they outright won't do it. Like Terrence Crawford said, I'm not going to do it unless you pay me more, which is kind of counterproductive to the whole point of shows. Like you're, you're going to take less to do behind closed door shows uh, because there isn't the gate attached to it. So th- there are a few fighters, and Anthony Joshua surprisingly was one of them, who said, I'll fight Kubrat Pulev behind closed doors. I'll, I want to keep my career moving. It seems to me, Gareth, that fighters are going to have to decide over the next six months if they want to maximize their revenue or if they want to take a percentage of it to keep their career moving. And I'm not sure that... I'm not sure the fighters have gotten there yet. I don't think it's like registering with them that, I mean, even in the best case scenario where crowds are allowed back in, I'm sorry, it's going to be a while before 80,000 pack Wembley or 20,000 pack MSG. Like, it's just like, it's just not going to happen until there's a vaccine that's present. Yeah, it's a very good point you make. And, uh, and, I, and I listened to or watched your interview with Anthony Joshua where to add to what you said, because um, it was it was interesting enough that I ended up doing a story on it you um, in the Telegraph, which he said he was prepared to take an eight million dollar cut for the gate, if you remember. Now that's a sign of the hunger that Anthony Joshua has, but also the extraordinary wealth he already possesses. Now that's fine for someone like him who's on that scale, but the fighters who are earned. 15,000 who have a second job are going to have to think very carefully about how they progress in that way. Terence Crawford as well doesn't need to fight. He's already, he's not a huge box office star, but he's a star. He's on the way to being a huge box office star. He's still got a way to go. He's not, he couldn't fill out a stadium at the moment, but um, I like his attitude of waiting. Um, What worries me is the heavyweight division. Um, you know, I liked what Anthony Joshua was also saying, both to you and uh, in an interview with Sky Sports, where he was saying, I would love Deontay Wilder and Kubrat Pulev to step aside so that when this pandemic is over, we can give the world a celebration and let's go straight ahead and have uh, a fight for an undisputed title. That will happen with some fights and some fighters, I think. But with the heavyweight division, there's enough money to be made with Joshua Pulev, with Fury and Wilder 3, to make those fights happen anyway. I think we're going to get the undisputed title, probably now, I don't know if you agree with this, round about the summer of 2021. Yeah, I think that's more likely than not. I think the ship has sailed on Deontay Wilder taking step-aside money. I you know, given Bob Arum's relationship with Pulev, and I don't know if Bob believes Pulev's going to win. I doubt it. But, um, you know, that that's that he's not willing to take step-aside money for that fight. That deal's already locked in. So I, I think those fights happen, and then we'll see in the summer of 2021. I'll tell you what, if, you know, if Joshua is serious about fighting Pulev behind closed doors, like, let's get real creative, right? Like, let's have Joshua Pulev at Buckingham Palace. Just like set it up on the lawn in Buckingham Palace, baby. But you, you you might be able to do it somewhere like Kensington Palace on the lawn, but that's very ambitious. Well, you could close the Mall 
and have it on the mall where the where the marathon ends every year. But no, I like the thought or Horse Guards Parade or Trafalgar Square. All of it, you know, make it very, um, very partisan, very nationalistic in that way. And uh, you know, I like that. I think that's a great idea, um, and it would certainly thrill people. I mean, when you've got a time when Tyson Fury's dad as a 54-year-old, is having a fight with a bodybuilder, Mickey Theo, to raise money for our National Health Service, and that's generating a lot of boxing headlines, you know that you're pretty well uh, when it comes to big fights going on, because that is generating a few headlines. Um, for me, um, that, you know, we've, we had this debate even before the pandemic. We need this. It's a very interesting heavyweight era. Since Lennox Lewis, Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, Mike Tyson, since that era, this is a fascinating era. Tyson Fury for me, and I had this chat the other day on, on, on my radio show, was is not the number one yet of this era. He has to beat Anthony Joshua first. I don't believe... Uh, Kubrat Pulev will be Anthony Joshua. I think Joshua will get to him in six or seven rounds, and I think he'll stop him. He's a phenomenal finisher. I don't even believe it's a foregone conclusion that Deontay Wilder loses the third fight to Tyson Fury, because it will be another... You know, you've seen enough boxing yourself. We've been around this a long time. Things happen. Um, things happen in a fight. Things happen during a fight. Game plans go wrong. Wilder's game plan was wrong for Fury, played into his hands. The third fight's fascinating. For me, Tyson Fury has to win two more fights to become the dominant fighter of this era in history. Because he's beaten Klitschko, he was the first to do so, ch changed that reign, and then if he can beat Wilder again, he gets everything out of the way, really proves it, and then he has uh, a fight with Anthony Joshua, which I, again, is no foregone conclusion. Um, so, so that's what I think we need to see. I agree with you. Um, I think Fury has an opportunity over the next year to uh, etch his name into history by beating, you know, beating uh, Deontay Wilder again, and then potentially beating Anthony Joshua. The reason I think it might be easier for Fury this time is, in part, like Wilder's body worries me. Like he had surgery again. Like he had a bicep surgery that in the aftermath of that fight. He's been banged up a lot over the last yeah. couple of years. He had that arm injury uh, to his right hand prior to the first Fury fight. He's coming up on 35 years old. Like at some point, you know, he's not in all these wars in in his career. But at some point, your body catches up with you a little bit. L let me ask you about about Fury Joshua. Eddie Hearn has made it clear that it's not necessarily going to be in the UK. That's that's insane to me. Like you have to have that fight in the UK. I'm I'm trying to think of a comparison. Like Game Seven of the NBA Finals between the Cavs and Warriors takes place in like Moscow. Like it just it just doesn't make any sense to not put the biggest fight in British boxing history on British soil. Do you think he's being real about that? Or do you think there is a real possibility that someplace like Saudi Arabia could swoop in and take that fight? Utterly. Completely 100% there. There's, he's leaving the door open for a huge Saudi Arabia fight because um, it will, the basis will be the huge amount of uh, site fee and money that um, 
the Saudi princes will put up for that fight. I mean, you, you, you could you could almost see the backing of a hundred million pounds going down just to have that event there. Then you've got the the, the, the global revenue, the sponsorship, uh, the money that comes in from DAZN, from Sky Sports, um, from BT Sport, because it'll be a shared revenue fight uh, from ESPN. So it's going to be, you know, um, uh, a quartet of, of, of television partners as well, couldn't it? So um, uh, the, the bigger, it will be the biggest we've ever seen. Now, as a result of that, Boxing is a sport, but as you know and I know, when it comes to major fights, and particularly heavyweight fights, it's a business. And if both men know that they can make 70 million each or 100 million each, as opposed to 35 million each, by having it in the UK, where I think it should be, it should be at Wembley Stadium, um, then they may well go for the money because it's it's an end game fight for both men. Um, so I believe, you know, in a Corinthian way, I had this argument with Barry Hearn the other day, as I say, when I spoke to him, if this event is going to happen, for me, um, theoretically, there is no greater place for it than Wembley Stadium. It is one of the major sporting events in the history of Britain. Two British fighters, both have come up through the same generation, both on different sides of the tracks, with very different stories, yet both equally fascinating, um, climaxing together um, at Wembley, you will not be able to get a seat for the 90,000, literally. Um, it would take over uh, the front, middle and back pages, all the airwaves, all the adverts for the whole week. It would go down as one of the major events because it's for the undisputed title really would be another occasion for me it'd be like Ali Frazier won 1970 Madison Square Garden you know how big that is in American sporting history imagine if that fight had gone to the Middle East all those years ago you know I know that we had the rumble in the jungle and the thriller in Manila afterwards um, but that was a kind of cultural and societal return to African roots, wasn't it? It was the right times about the emancipation of the African-American. And, and there were a lot of kind of layers there that, 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 that resonated and still do today. But this is a fight that needs to be owned by Britain. But I do fear it could end up in a man-made 50,000-seater stadium um, in the Middle East. I mean, I, I mean, you were hinting that you think that might happen as well, no? I think that money talks, and if there is an obscene amount of money put up that that you can't come close to with uh, a UK buy, um, I, I, I think they'll go there. Because look, you know this, the, the buys for Joshua versus Ruiz 2 on pay-per-view in the UK were astronomical, so it didn't hurt uh, the pay-per-view buys there. Uh, I know DAZN got real good value, you know, bang for their buck with how with, with the subs that they got uh, for that fight. So, you know, partners, I don't think, would fight it too much. And look, if you can make 20, 30 million more dollars, we yeah. can sit here and say the atmosphere would be way cooler in the UK, and it would. But, you know, cool atmospheres don't pay the bills. And if it's uh, a fight like that where you're, you know, not cashing out necessarily, but taking that big check... Uh, you've got to take that big check. But let me ask you about that fight. You know, Anthony Joshua 
hasn't been an underdog ever in his career. I think Klitschko, he was a slight favorite going into that fight uh, three years ago. Um, but he's being you know, viewed as an underdog going into a potential Fury fight. Do you believe that AJ would be an underdog? Yeah, definitely. Because um, in, in, in boxing skills alone, what we've seen in the last year, we've seen, well, we've, we've seen it from Fury probably four times now where he's shown the best boxers, the best fighters in history, even the best sports people, the, the, the superheroes of sport, have the ability to change the pattern of an event or a match or a fight. And what Fury has shown is that he has the ability to make major adjustments. Um, people said, oh, he's the same fighter. But we particularly saw this in this last fight uh, with Deontay Wilder. Although we saw it with the second fight with Chisora, Derek Chisora as well, where he went southpaw and he hit him with uppercuts all night, with left uppercuts. It was extraordinary performance that. Here in a, in, in a place, by the way, the XL Arena, that is now a hospital for 4,000 people with two morgues. Um, believe it or not. And it, I, it rings with me every time I think about that fight. At the moment, it's set up as a hospital, a nightingale, it's called. Um, the, we've seen more adjustments. That, I don't think there's any question that Tyson Fury is the most talented boxer at heavyweight in this era. Um, but what we also saw from Anthony Joshua in the second fight with Andy Ruiz was genuine adjustment and patience and not being drawn into a fight. I know he looked vulnerable at times as well um, when he went into a firefight with Ruiz, who clearly is his nemesis, you know, is his boogeyman, is his kukui. Um, but we've seen that adjustment made by by Joshua. This time away may have may have may work in in Joshua's favour. I think he's the underdog because whatever anyone says. A 19-stone fury is capable of stopping anyone. I mean, to call you can't call someone like that who can box like Fury pillow fists. You can do it from an armchair on Twitter if you're a troll. But we saw how banged up Deontay Wilder was in that fight in seven rounds. And Fury didn't hit him that many times. Um, and we also know that if Fury hits Joshua, he could be in trouble as well. I think it's a fight. I see it as kind of 58-42, something like that. 57-43 to, to, uh, to, to Fury over Joshua. But it's a fight I am fascinated to see. If we never see it, Christopher, if we never, ever see it, it will be a travesty. Worse than Bo never meeting uh, Lennox Lewis at heavyweight. Far, far worse. What's your take? I, mean, I, I, I agree. I, I not only would it be... A, yeah, no. Yeah, not, not even... Like, I'm not even looking forward to one fight. I think these guys could have a trilogy type of fight, you know, because I think they're pretty evenly matched and they're young enough, both in their early 30s, that you could see it playing out over the next three years. Massive heavyweight shows with other fights kind of mixed in in the interim uh, for to get the loser a win or whatever, however you want to do it. Um, maybe it's just kind of the... I, I don't know why, but I do favor Joshua in that fight because... I look at Fury, and I don't think that Fury, he was so aggressive against Wilder. I don't think he'd be allowed to get so many unanswered shots in against Joshua. Joshua's not a great boxer, but he's certainly a better boxer than Deontay Wilder. I think he'd have more counters in his bag 
that would give Fury some problems. And he still is a massive puncher. I think the the question I have about Joshua that maybe will get answered over these next one or two fights is, did we see a fundamental shift in his boxing philosophy against Andy Ruiz? Or did he just fight a guy that knocked him out in a different way? And when he comes back against Pulev and maybe Usyk, fighters that are smaller than him, that don't necessarily pose the exact same type of threat, is he still aggressive? Because I think Joshua has to be aggressive against the Tyson Fury because you've got to get to his chin. You're not going to outbox Fury. You're just not going to do it. He's a better boxer than Anthony Joshua. You've got to find a way to get to his chin. And I'm curious to see if Joshua is still that type of fighter. Yeah, I mean, I think... um, Look, Joshua is a natural... He wants to fight. He wants to fight. Um, Hard for him against Andy Ruiz in the second fight because he had to... He let to learn to be a big, tall fighter and stay behind a long jab, and he was brilliant at it on the night. I was sitting with Shannon Briggs and Frank Bruno uh, hosting an event in London because I couldn't go to Saudi because of my health. And both men, by the end of the fight, you know, Shannon and Frank, but they're legends, you know, they were literally grabbing my leg or we were all t- saying, come on, come on, Joshua, just doing the same. They both had great respect for him. And they are fighters, of course, were really happy with how he portrayed himself in that fight. I think that he showed a level of development there and a level of patience that he is going to be able to uh, tailor his game plan for different people. I think he's one of the great finishers. He doesn't kill you with one punch. Sorry, kill. I want to use the word kill. He doesn't put you away with one punch. He puts you away with a combination. I think he's a pheno- one of the great finishers I've ever seen with combinations, you know, like four or five punches. Joshua hurts you. He will destroy you with four punches. Brilliant finisher. Brilliant, brilliant finisher. Um, and he's got an appetite for that as well. Um, if he hurts Fury, he'll finish him. He will finish him. No question about it. In a way that Wilder couldn't do because he doesn't have the, 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 the meticulousness when he's finishing with someone, there's a degree of, well, he's got one punch he does it with. So I, I, I take your point. Um, that, but I think ultimately um, we will see, we'll also see a different fury in the third fight with Wilder because um, uh, in a different way, because Wilder's going to be lighter, get to the center of the ringer, as hands go, and he will. That is what he will do. Fury knows that. We know that. Wilder has to do that, right? So Fury will probably hold and lean on him and still be heavy and try and get the fight to rounds four or five. That's how I see it. Anyway, but you mentioned just now, and I know we've talked about the heavyweights a lot here because it is a fascinating thing. If Fury loses the third fight to Wilder and Wilder faces Joshua, it's still a fascinating fight for the winner of that one to face Fury again, you know? Um, They may have two fights as well. There may be a two-fight deal. So we may see Fury fight Wilder for the fourth time, you know? We may see Fury have two fights with with Joshua next. I just hope that they... And and we may have Dillian White jump in the mix or Hergovitz or whoever comes through, you know, at that time as well. And Usyk, like you say, Alexander Usyk. 
I just think we maybe need to move to, to three fights a year once this is over for these guys rather than just two because they've lo- they're going to have lost a year by the time we come back from this, frankly. You know? um, who'd have thought, Chris? I think Wilder... Yeah. yeah, I think Wilder winning would be a disaster for boxing just because I think... Look, I don't, I don't think... Well, no, I don't think Deontay should, would walk away or should walk away. I, I just think there would be a push to make the fourth fight between those two guys, which would probably erase any chance of seeing a unification fight in 2021 featuring Anthony Joshua, because I don't, I don't believe that Wilder's going to face Joshua. I, I think the, there's too much of a political divide there that it's just not going to happen. I think Fury would, because... Fury's just that type of guy. Like Fury's like, well, I'm, why would I want to be in a fight against a B-level opponent that I clearly don't get up for? Like he doesn't get up for the Otto Valens of the world. He gets up for Correct. Deontay Wilder. So I think Fury would force that fight in 2021. Whereas I think Wilder, because of what exists in the PBC universe, Gareth, I think Wilder would go on and face Andy Ruiz and they'd say, well, it's for you know the almost undisputed championship if Ruiz had won uh, that fight. Maybe it's like Robert Hellenius or there's just too many heavyweights that you can make easier fights for Deontay Wilder and not make an Anthony Joshua fight. So I just think any there could be some serious heavyweight momentum in 2021 and beyond if Tyson Fury wins the fight. And that momentum could include Deontay Wilder getting himself back in the mix. I think if Wilder loses, it's way more likely he faces Joshua because then he won't have the same type of leverage that he has or he had when he had the heavyweight title. So I think you could get so many potential mega fights in the heavyweight division if Fury wins. I'm just less confident that you can get it if Wilder wins. Well, it's a very good point you make, and I I can't kind of disagree with it, other than, um, you know, you seem to be leaning towards them. For me, I think Fury will end up as the leader of the era, but your point, there's a caveat here that um, if Joshua beats him, let's say Fury beats Wilder in the third fight and Joshua beats him in the first fight, we've got to see them fight again, frankly. Um, well, I'd like a trilogy. Um, you, you're not ruling out that Joshua's development could see him become the number one of the era as well. No, not at all. I, I think he's, you know, I, I think every, a lot of great fighters, almost every great fighter has a blip on their their radar, something that happens in their careers. Vladimir yeah. had it, Lennox had it. Uh, go back in history. They've all had it. Uh, the Andy Ruiz fight could turn out to be to be AJ's blip. Let, let me ask you one more thing uh, about the British scene here, and that involves Billy Joe Saunders, who, you know, as of about a month and a half ago, you know, Billy Joe seemed like he was ready to cash in that lottery ticket that was a Canelo fight. Uh, suddenly the pandemic happens. And, you know, look, it's looking now more likely than not that Billy Joe doesn't get the Canelo fight. Uh, where does this leave Billy Joe Saunders? And what's the sense among the, the British boxing public of his actions, not just over the last month or so with, you know, his latest, you know, uh, let's his latest basically, I don't call it an attack on women, but a a anti-domestic violence or t- making light of domestic violence video. Just another in a layer of kind of mistakes that Billy Joe has made publicly. What's the sense about Billy Joe from the British public? Well, um. Let me say, first of all, because it's quite a while since he, he made... I mean, I have spoken to... Um, I haven't managed to get older Billy Joe, but I have spoken to his trainer, Ben Davison, who used to train Tyson Fury. 
Um, it was foolhardy in the extreme. It was it was it was it was idiotic to have done that. Um, but I don't think. I mean, I know Billy Joe, and I've known him a long time, and he's not. This is the mad thing. He's not the person that that video purports him to be. Um, he is going to make a donation to domestic violence charities, you know, um, which is a good thing, because his own reputation that's what's so odd something he didn't need to do he thought it was a joke he doesn't have the same register as other people of what he's doing with with his social media he did it before with with a drug addict remember out of the car he didn't film that but it was put out i mean that's that's playing around hitting the bag could 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 it might not have be that that cost him the Canelo fight. It might be the pandemic, frankly, as well. But um, he's got to go through, he's got his license suspended by the Boxing Board of Control over it as well, remember. So he's got to get that back when when we come back. Um, I think people were very angered uh, by what he did. And um, see, those that don't know him and those who are outside the sport um, really um, are incensed by his actions, especially at a time when there's a lot of domestic crises right now with people that don't have a great relationship forced together for long and their domestic crisis centers are a lot more cases and a lot more calls and so it's a very serious thing that he's done i don't think he walked into it not realizing what he'd done but it's it's foolish in the extreme um for me he's got a callum smith fight there potentially which is a very good all-British fight if he doesn't get Canelo. Um, he could go down to middleweight and fight Andrade, Bubu Andrade. That's easy enough to do. Both guys are promoted by uh, Eddie Hearn, just as uh, Callum Smith is. So there's options for him, but it ain't the $8 million fight with Canelo on uh, Cinco de Mayo in, in Las Vegas. And that was the big fight for him. I mean... Billy Joe Saunders, rather like Tyson Fury, obviously from the same traveller uh, community, the same traveller race, is another one that gets up for big fights because he's so skilled in the office. Um, but I really do feel that he, he, he may have lost that opportunity. Um, and once the Slovkin um, is done, um, which I imagine will be a super middleweight, no, rather than middleweight, could be. I don't think that's been decided yet. A lot of back and forth between those two camps. I think Canelo stops him this time, myself. It's possible. I think uh, I think the only way he stops him is probably if the corner throws in the towel or the referee just steps in with a flurry. I think Golovkin's too strong-chinned uh, to go down on, on a shot. And Canelo, for all his marvelous talents, yeah, the body, you're right, the body attacks. Um, but Canelo, though, for all his marvelous talents, the the knockouts don't come against the highest level of competition, whether it's Daniel Jacobs or Arislandi Lara or even Austin Trout. Um, he wins and deserves all the credit in the world for that, but it's usually by decision. And I can see it being kind of a, a legit 118-110 type of decision for, for Canelo. A, a, a in, legit. In that way. A legit this time. Yeah, not, not, the, not the illegit bullshit that we've seen in the past. The... um. Let me ask you one thing about, about, about Saunders. What am I missing about Saunders, Callum Smith? Like, why is that not done for, you know, if, if Canelo really is moving on, 
Why is that not an obvious let's get it done fight? Because you mentioned Andrade, and I think there's some momentum to do Saunders versus Andrade in a fight that, Gareth, I swear to God, I'd, I'd put an ice pick through my eye before voluntarily kind of watching that because that is, it's just not aesthetically pleasing. It's just not a fight where the styles make a lot of sense. And it's not a fight that anyone is really clamoring for at this moment. You've got two British fighters in Callum and Billy Joe, both title holders. The win of, winner of that fight would be a, uh, a unified super middleweight champion why is that not the the obvious fight to make in the fall of 2020? It's also the number one and number two in the super middleweight division, remember, as well. So it'd be for the ring magazine belt and all the... That's what I was trying to show you there. Sorry, I didn't mean... I wasn't trying to mm -hmm. say victory over Mannix. <laughs> but listen, before you start talking about um, ice picks in your eyes, you know, and um, that fight may well be made, so be careful because... And it's one that you're going to be broadcasting on yourself on DAZN. So I want to come armed with ice picks or people attacking you with ice picks on your way to that fight. Because the uh, trouble is it's a stalemate, isn't it, that contest, with two very awkward fighters. And I love Boo Boo, by the way. I mean, he's, a, uh, he's one of the guys I love in the sport. Um, why isn't it being made? Well, I think they're probably still holding out for because there's been no... <laughs> the weird thing is... Billy Joe Saunders, Josh Taylor, and Ben Davison were all training in Vegas together for the Cinco de Mayo fight with Canelo. It hasn't, hadn't actually been officially announced, had it? Even though it was one of the worst-kept secrets in boxing, we knew it was about to happen. They'd already started training. So officially, it hasn't been announced as on. So maybe officially, it hasn't even been announced as off. So um, I, I, it's a very good question for Eddie Hearn right now, that is, actually. And when we get off this call, I might just put a little call into him. Well, it, it's like if you do Billy Joe versus Andrade, um, Billy Joe could lose that fight very easily. Like Andrade is a phenomenal boxer. And if Billy Joe loses, it, it yeah. makes the Callum Smith fight almost irrelevant. Like you might be able to rehab it over the next year, but we've seen what happens when you wait too long. Amir Khan and Kell Brook should have fought two years ago. And, and and now that fight is almost irrelevant in terms of, of establishing any type of top fighter. It, it, maybe you can do it as a senior circuit type of, of event to be a money grab. But right now, you got Billy Joe has his title. Didn't doesn't coming off a great performance. Neither is Callum Smith. But I think you have to strike while the iron's hot because there are way too many examples. And you know this. Way too many examples of over-marination leading to fights either not happening or becoming far less relevant when they do. No, I agree. And I think, I think what we'll see, Chris, is if, if Canelo and uh, Billy Joe Saunders doesn't go ahead, I think we will see that fight made because it will resonate in Britain. And you could put it on anywhere. I mean, and again, it's one of those fights that um, if you had to do it in a small hall behind closed doors, it would generate interest, uh, certainly in the industry, and maybe you could make it a bit wider than that, you know? Oh, there's a natural home for Billy Joe Saunders, Callum Smith. That is Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, where Eddie Hearn loves to put on major boxing shows. <laughs> Crazy, man. Um, Gareth, always appreciate your time, man. Stay healthy out there. Stay safe. And uh, as always, my friend, good to talk to you. You too, Chris. And keep looking after that hair. I see you're shaving it yourself at the moment. Um, mine, mine will need a yeah, trim fairly soon. 
And um, yeah, stay COVID free, stay safe. Can't wait to see you in person very soon. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.